Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, February 2nd. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. On the feast of the presentation of the Lord, I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks for making us a part of your morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Today, the Catholic Church is celebrating the presentation of the Lord. This ancient feast goes back to the early church and is also known as Candlemas, fulfilling numerous Old Testament prophecies by the offerings of the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph and the prophecy of Simeon. The life of Christ begins to point towards his resurrection. Our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will have much more on uh, this feast of the presentation of the Lord coming up in hour number two at 7.30 Central. Now, today is also Groundhog Day. Will Puxatani Phil see his shadow? What will be his uh, prediction and early spring or six more weeks of winter? Stay tuned. Uh, more in a moment. Uh, we'll know uh, by 720 Eastern Time. Now, on Thursdays, I always take a moment to, uh, to remind you of the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. So try to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today, if you can, or sometime during this week. I want to bring in our morning air team, as we do every morning, Glenn and Sarah. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories uh, making headlines here on this Thursday morning? It's Groundhog Day. What day is this? It's February 2nd, Groundhog Day. I thought it was yesterday. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. No, that's okay. Thank you. Hilarious, hilarious. Uh, Glenn and Sarah, they are are jumping around as we speak in Puxatani, Pennsylvania, in anticipation of uh, Puxatani Phil, uh, who will be coming out uh, in in a matter of minutes. And soon we will know whether it'll be an early spring or six more weeks of winter. Uh, This little guy is uh, is something else. Uh, This is a tradition that goes all the way back to the 1800s, guys. Well, you know, they say if, if Phil sees his shadow, it's going to be cold and we'll have six more weeks of winter. I always thought six more weeks would be an early spring. You know, we're looking at probably three more months of winter up north here. So, you know, whatever. But it's, uh, you got to love something like that as uh, hung in there as a tradition all these years. Yeah, it's an interesting tradition. And man, there they are. John, you're right. They're having a ball. They're throwing confetti. They have musicians out there. Everyone's bundled up. And I wonder with this six more weeks either way, I mean, seriously, is that just in, just in Pennsylvania or is that around the whole country? I'm not sure. Uh, certain parts, I'm sure Hawaii, they're like, mm, it's uh, not too bad. So who knows? It is a wacky tradition, but you know, it does have a uh, historical connection uh, with uh, Candlemas and the presentation of the Lord that we're celebrating today. So uh, we're going to bring it up uh, with Father Kabiki uh, later in the show, but uh, it's a lot of fun. So we'll be uh, we'll be watching to see what uh, Puxatani Phil does. Uh, one other story, uh, in case uh, you missed it uh, yesterday, Tom Brady. Uh, made it official once again. I believe this time for real, he is retiring. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point. I'm retiring for good. 
Uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Very uh, emotional moment for, for Tom Brady. I saw the video. His eyes uh, welled up. Uh, no question, this guy, uh, seven Super Bowl rings. Um, not bad for 199th pick out of University of Michigan back in 2000. Uh, he has made uh, quite a career, and by many uh, perspectives, he's considered uh, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Holds just about every passing record you can think of in the NFL, uh, Glenn. Yeah, all-time touchdown record, all-time most passing yards record as well. That's seven Super Bowl titles. Hard to imagine one man will be able to you know, duplicate that. But uh, hats off to him. And he won't be going away. Football fans will get to see him for years to come. He signed a 10-year contract with Fox a while back that will kick in. So he'll be doing commentary and be an ambassador for the game for many years to come. No question he will do a fantastic job. He'll bring that love and that passion of the game that he has uh, into the broadcast booth, and I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll become a, a really outstanding uh, analyst, just like he was a, a great QB. Um, kudos uh, to our studio producer, Sarah, her little baby, Lucy, celebrating her first ba- uh, birthday. What a special uh, day. I know. Isn't that exciting? Man, it just seems like yesterday. But uh, I guess it was 365 <laughs> days ago, actually. And uh, yes, tonight during the Family Rosary Across America will be the official. That's when she came. So there'll be the official time. Uh, but yeah, she is celebrating one year. Wow. Just one year of us hearing her uh, oohs and ahs on the show uh, intro. So that's very fun. Awesome. My favorite voice on the show, you know, and- <laughs> And then plus, this is the birthday you dive headfirst into the cake, so that's always It good. is. It's a good—it's always exciting, that first birthday. But, you know, next year will be the golden birthday, so we'll have two back-to-back, and she won't remember either one. So I have to well-document it for her. <laughs> is she uh, walking already? Uh, she is getting close. She's teetering, tottering. She wants a little help. She doesn't want to do it on her own. She doesn't have that confidence. But she's getting there, so one day soon, I, I imagine. Happy birthday, Lucy. Yeah, well, pass that along. All right. Thanks, uh, Sarah and Glenn. As always, we always start every uh, morning in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, and no question, every day is a gift. We always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show, and you can shoot us an email, morningair at relevantradio.com. 
Now I want to shift gears. Uh, according to CatholicVote.org, there have been over 285 acts of violence and vandalism against Catholic churches in the U.S. since May of 2020. Some of these attacks came in the wake of the protests after the George Floyd death in 2020, and at least 127 attacks are targeted pro-life pregnancy centers since the leak of the draft of the Supreme Court opinion in the Dobbs case, which ultimately led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Mountain Area Pregnancy Services Executive Director Christy Brown spoke to Fox News about the FBI offering a $25,000 reward for information on pro-life center attacks. We are very hopeful because it's the sad reality that more than 80 facilities were targeted last year and there has not been a single arrest. So we hope and pray that this reward money will cause people to come forward and help some of these culprits to be found and prosecuted. It seems like they should have been offered last year when all the attacks were occurring. But let's put this in perspective. When our attack occurred, it wasn't even referred to as domestic terrorism, despite the fact that it almost cost us $100,000 in repair work after the attack. So we're grateful that they are putting this reward money out. We wish it would have come a little bit sooner. But again, we hope that people will come forward now. Joining us live is Brian Birch, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, to discuss uh, these attacks on churches and pregnancy centers and the significance of the recent Mark Hawk legal victory for the pro-life movement. Good morning, uh, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Good morning and great to be with you all this morning. Uh, Brian, uh, you and Catholic Vote have been doing uh, just an outstanding job keeping track of all of uh, these attacks targeting uh, churches and pregnancy centers uh, after uh, the Supreme Court leak uh, that overturned Roe. The numbers are uh, unbelievable. Uh, we're getting close to, to 300. Can you give us some of the, the details that you have found uh, in your reporting? Well, that's right, and I appreciate you covering this because, unfortunately, um, many Catholics and, of course, many Americans have no idea this is going on, uh, and the numbers are staggering. Uh, as our website reports, and you can go to catholicvote.org and uh, look at our tracker map, including click-through to a spreadsheet that I'm just looking at now in anticipation of this interview, because there's literally new attacks happening every single week. Uh, there has been 280 attacks on Catholic churches over the last two years, uh, 80 attacks on pregnancy resource centers just since the leak of the Dobbs decision last June. And of course, there's all different types of attacks. Churches have been firebombed, Molotov cocktails, of course, statues defaced, images of Our Lady, um, paint poured on them, statues beheaded. Uh, the list goes on and on. And one of the interesting things about this is these are not uh, vandals who are uh, looking for money uh, or stealing something of value. They are really doing things that I think at root can only be described as demonic. And I think these attacks obviously have a political angle, and we could talk about that a bit, but it also is a reminder uh, that these political questions are often proxies for the deeper spiritual battle that I know your program, and of course we as Catholics believe, um, is ongoing and is, is preeminent. It is, it is the context in which all of the actions of our life um, can be best understood. And Brian, uh, groups like uh, Jane's Revenge, uh, they're so bold. Uh, they're not afraid to talk about uh, the fact that they're responsible for the attacks, and yet it, it seems like nothing has been happening. 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up as well. Um, you know, the, the segment that you led in with, with the head of the Pregnancy Resource Center that said they're optimistic, I, I'm a bit less so, and I'll explain why. The Department of Justice, of course, has known about these attacks. We've communicated with them. They've written us back. Over a year ago, they said they were going to uh, put a number of resources on this. Uh, they've offered this $25,000 reward only last month for the first time. They have not prosecuted a single person. There's been two indictments total out of these nearly 300 attacks or over 350 attacks with the pregnancy resource centers. It's very clear here that the Department of Justice has two standards of applying the law. And, and if this isn't just an empty accusation, let's just remember last month there was one attack, a single attack on a pro-abortion, I mean, on an abortion clinic by at least allegedly a pro-life person. The Department of Justice uh, hunted down that person and charged them within 11 days, a single attack char charged within 11 days. And so it's very obvious to us that, unfortunately, the Department of Justice that is supposed to be independent, objective, and apply the law as the facts dictate uh, is not doing so. And you bring up Jane's Revenge. This is a group, by the way, that publicly and repeatedly called for violence and vandalism and criminal activity against Catholic churches. And there has been zero prosecutions and zero information about them. They were doing this online uh, for everyone to see. It wasn't as if this was some conspiracy that you needed uh, to go investigate. And again, the Department of Justice has done nothing. Um, so I think there's a double standard here. Just imagine, for example, if these were mosques or synagogues or, or again, uh, pro, uh, abortion clinics that were being targeted by pro-lifers. I know, I think we'd we know what would happen if that was the case. No question about it that there is a double standard. The bias is, is unbelievable. We're joined this morning by Brian Birch, the president and founder of Catholic Vote, catholicvote.org. Uh, Brian, uh, you've been in communication uh, with uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the new House Judiciary Committee chairman. Uh, can you tell us uh, about uh, th those conversations? Yes, well, here is where I am hopeful. Uh, the, the November elections, while didn't go as well as, as we hoped they, they did, they did resolve in Republicans taking control of the House. And what that means is they can now dictate the agenda, they control committees, and they can create committees uh, to exercise legitimate oversight of the executive branch. And one of those committees uh, will be co-chaired by Representative Jim Jordan, uh, and it involves uh, looking into the ways in which the Biden administration has weaponized uh, the FBI and weaponized the Department of Justice. Of course, there are a lot of different questions that relate to that, including ways that they used uh, big tech, including Twitter, uh, to control uh, what people could see and what people could post. Um, this is illegal. You cannot have the government using large corporations to essentially censor speech. Uh, and there's, of course, a number of issues related to this. But one of the issues that we are hopeful that they will include as a part of their oversight is to bring members of the Department of Justice that are responsible for the decisions about whom and when to prosecute and to ask them questions as they relate to the violence against Catholic churches and pregnancy resource centers. Uh, Representative Jordan has asked us for information. We've delivered a package to the Hill a comprehensive package with all the facts as we know them, 
uh, and we are in regular communication about the possible timing of, of such a hearing. Um, we've also offered Catholic priests and heads of pregnancy resource centers that are willing to testify to tell their story about what's, what's happening out there across the country. Um, Brian, uh, meanwhile, uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Mark uh, Hauk uh, case. Uh, obviously, a, a huge uh, victory for the uh, pro life movement for Mark Hauk and and his family. Uh, can you share with us uh, your your thoughts on uh, what this means uh, for the pro life movement? Well, this is a huge victory. There's no other way to to say it. Um, masterful legal work done by the Thomas More Society and their legal team. Uh, this is related to what we just talked about, though, because while the Biden administration has not uh, been addressing this uh, broad, uh, you know, violence and attacks against churches and, and pro-life clinics, where they have been spending resources is going after pro-life people, including peaceful pro-life um, advocates like Mark Hauk, and not just going after them, sending SWAT teams uh, in, in the early morning to their home pointing, you know, 20, mem- 20 members of the of the FBI with guns pointed at him and his family, and including his children. Imagine that. Imagine being on the other end of that. Uh, and, of course, uh, forcing this to go to trial. Uh, thankfully, we have a system of justice uh, that involves a jury of your peers. And, of course, they acquitted him in less than an hour, unanimous decision, uh, not guilty. And everyone that looked at the facts of this case knew uh, this was a preposterous charge. Um, this man was uh, with his son, an abortion clinic escort, was harassing his son, was uh, utter, uh, uttering vulgarities at his son, and he pushed the man back away from his son because his son was scared. Uh, the Biden administration used a 1990 statute called FACE to charge him. Um, it went to trial, uh, and he was acquitted. Uh, praise, you know, thanks be to God. And uh, again, there's, there's a strange double standard here where it's very obvious to us uh, that the Department of Justice has been politicized. And if you are an opponent of this administration when it comes to the life issue, uh, they're going to treat you differently. There's no question that this was a, a political prosecution, and uh, it, it, I believe that uh, Brian uh, is. Uh, I believe that um, Mark Hauk is, is is planning on pressing charges. Uh, this is uh, according to uh, some reporting from uh, a Catholic news agency. I understand that as well. This morning, that he is uh, talking to uh, his legal team or perhaps other counsel on what his options are. Uh, in my opinion, full speed ahead. This man deserves. Um, every bit of justice that's that's been denied to him. Uh, and, and it's not just him, keep in mind, there's 25 other peaceful pro-life protesters that have also been charged under this that are undergoing similar uh, circumstances. And we don't expect this to be the end of it. Um, and so, yes, he should pursue that. And, and people should understand if, if you are um, mistreated by the government, um, you do have rights. And uh, we don't need to take this laying down, and there are groups out there, and certainly people can get in co- contact with us, and we can assist and direct you to whether it be legal teams or certainly try to provide necessary funding uh, to, to assist churches or pro-life advocates that are, are under attack by uh, this administration. 
There's no doubt that there is a, a double standard. There's a, a bias, especially in the media. This is what, to me, is is, is so uh, amazing. It's like they, they're ignoring these uh, nearly 300 attacks on churches and pregnancy uh, centers. Uh, you, you hardly hear anything about it at all. It's so blatant. Can you imagine if there were uh, nearly 300 pro-abortion uh, organizations, you know, um, 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 Planned Parenthood clinics that had been attacked in the reverse, what what the reaction from the mainstream media would be? Well, right. It's interesting because, you know, also in the news this morning, and the Biden administration is considering declaring a national emergency uh, over abortion access. And of course, this will give them new powers and new money and an ability to try to impose uh, abortion um, on places that is, are trying to restrict it in light of Dobbs. Um, if there were anywhere near, I would say, 10 attacks on a abortion clinic of this sort. Uh, we know exactly what would happen. In fact, the FACE Act that Mark Houck is being prosecuted under came about because of a number of, of violent acts or um, you know, aggressive um, opposition to abortion in the 1990s. So we know exactly what happened. Um, we, we saw it then, and, and it, I'm sure it would be far worse today. And this is the framing that I think we have to push back against, that the idea that somehow the defense of innocent children, innocent, beautiful babies in their mother's wombs is somehow akin uh, to a, a political opinion that's no longer tolerated in this country. Uh, and that's, that's just unacceptable. It's not just unacceptable um, when it comes to the law. Uh, this is the gospel mandate of which we are all called to defend. This is this is our issue. This is the civil rights cause uh, of, of, this, of this moment in history. Brian, how can our listeners um, do something uh, individually? <laughs> we, we all can do at least something. Uh, first of all, where can they sign uh, your petition to end uh, this uh, pro-abortion violence? Well, it's all over our website, so go to catholicvote.org, sign the petition. We'll add your name. We'll make sure that gets to Congress. Contact your congressman. Tell them you want action on this. You want an investigation. Of course, spread the news. Far too many Americans and far too many Catholics have no idea. And lastly, pray. As I started out, this is a spiritual battle, not just a political one. No question about it. And uh, they can also uh, see your tracker where you've been keeping track of uh, all of these attacks right there at um, CatholicVote.org. Uh, Brian, as always, uh, thank you so much uh, for your perspective, and uh, I really, really appreciate it. Grateful to be with you. God bless. God bless you, too. Brian Birch, uh, president and founder of Catholic Vote. We need to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Father uh, Jaden Nelson, the president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot, North Dakota, will be with us to talk about Catholic Schools Week. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from James 1.12. The Apostle St. James writes, Blessed is the man who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. As Catholic Christians, we need to understand the redemptive value of trials and suffering. Many of us have not been taught what suffering is or how to bear it. The Lord gives us trials to test our faith. He also always gives us the grace to bear our sufferings if we only ask him. We can unite our small crosses to the big cross of Christ on Calvary. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show, and you can always send us uh, an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. A number if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, as you may know, and we uh, have talked about it earlier in the week, uh, this week we're celebrating uh, National Catholic Schools Week, which started back in 1974 to celebrate Catholic education here in the U.S. It's also important to discuss the current state of public schools and the woke agenda that's being pushed on our children. Now, did you know that more and more parents are enrolling their kids in private Catholic schools today in an effort to combat the woke curriculum of many of America's public schools. Joining us live for uh, much more perspective on Catholic Schools Week and the woke agenda is Father Jay Nelson, the president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot, North Dakota. Good morning, uh, Father Nelson. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Happy Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me today. It's good to be with you. Well, uh, Father, first of all, can you talk a little bit about the significance of uh, Catholic Schools Week uh, that's, and how it's being celebrated at, at your school, uh, Bishop Ryan Catholic School? Yeah, uh, John, Catholic Schools Week is a big week for us. Uh, we really pull out all the stops and celebrate the gift that Catholic education is for our families, our students, uh, our entire Catholic community here in Minot. Uh, it would be a little easier if it wasn't so cold out uh, here in North Dakota in the middle of uh, January, February, but uh, we do what we can. And uh, the heart of it really is um, is the knowledge of our faith and uh, the celebration of, of what our faith teaches us in Mass with the Bishop on Friday. So we start the week with um, what's uh, leading up to a state Know Your Faith competition. Uh, in on Monday, all of our Catholic high schools around the state uh, have their students take a general knowledge uh, test on their the the doctrine of the church on on our our, our faith, and those uh, tests are corrected, and then teams are selected uh, out of the top um, respondents, basically, or or uh, the highest scorers. For to represent their own grade, uh, freshman through senior, and then on Tuesday we have a local Know Your Faith competition, in which we everybody gets into the gym. Uh, we we have you know music, lights, um, you know special effects if we can, just really trying to make it a fun atmosphere for the kids, and and highlighting like we do you know so naturally for athletics and other things in this country, but uh, 
all surrounding around the faith and then uh, bring those those four teams together and those uh, four classes compete to represent the entire school in the state Know Your Faith competition, which is then held on Wednesday. Uh, this year, the state Know Your Faith competition was held out in Dickinson, so we traveled three hours by bus, took a uh, hundred of our students out there, and uh, competed against the other Catholic schools in North Dakota to win the the state Know Your Faith competition. Uh, we took second this year. Uh, we didn't we didn't come home with the trophy. Uh, Fargo Shanley did, but uh, it was a, a great event had by uh, and fun was had by all. So. It sounds like a, a really fun, tremendous event. Um, can you talk about some of the, what are some of the questions uh, that are covered in this competition? You know, it's everything from church history. Like one of the questions in the local competition was, who, what was the name of the bishop that uh, taught and inspired uh, St. Augustine to become a, a Catholic? Another question would be, you know, what are the three essential elements to determining the morality of a human action. Um, another one might be what must, what are the conditions that must be present in order for a mortal sin to be committed? Uh, maybe another one are what are the four Marian dogmas that every Catholic must believe? You know, so that is awesome. Um, yeah, really, really. And then the Bishop, <laughs> the Bishop has the prerogative of writing the final jeopardy question for the state. Know your faith competition. I'm not sure anybody has got it in like the last five years because they, he's ruthless when he writes these questions. They're really, really hard. So uh, the kids compete, they have fun, and at the same time, they're learning their Catholic faith uh, in, in a special way, uh, which is obviously something that they would not be getting if they were uh, in a, a public school. Correct, 100%. And it's not just that they're learning it, because they're learning every day in the classroom. It's that we are highlighting and putting value around that through all of the pomp and circumstance, so to speak. And I think you know, that's one of the things that really has created buzz around this for our kids and, and teaches them implicitly the importance of what we're learning in the classroom day in and day out. You know, recently, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, of Florida described Florida as a place where wokeness comes to die. Um, yeah. A lot of people are not happy about this woke mentality, wokeness. Can you, first of all, explain what, what wokeness is and... Um, you know, how parents are pushing back now more than ever. And, you know, a lot of parents are taking their kids out of, out of public schools. I hate to trash the public schools. That's not the intent. But the reality is that it's in the air. It's in, it's in the, the water that they drink, basically, this whole woke mentality. Yeah. Well, you know, like so many, <clears throat> pardon me, so many terms that are colloquial terms, to be woke is, is, uh, it's a little bit ambiguous sometimes, but the basic uh, thrust of wokeness is the idea that everybody needs to wake up to the, to the implicit uh, structures of discrimination that have been present in our culture and our society for generations and basically reject our past, um, becoming uh, fairly radically progressive in embracing the 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 new age of um, morality, which is which is tolerate everything, forgive nothing, uh, and and don't uh, don't bring God into it. So um, that would be kind of my definition of wokeness. It, there's there's various layers of it, but I think that the one of the biggest uh, issues with this is that it's it's really destructive of the essential um, 
respect that we have to have for our roots as a culture, as a civilization. Uh, it, it, it takes a very uh, derogatory approach to Western civilization in general, but especially the Christian synthesis of Western civilization that grew up out of uh, the coming together of the Greek and the Jewish um, worldviews in Christianity that then uh, formed and shaped the Western world. And Pope Benedict was brilliant on this. He didn't, I don't know, uh, address wokeness in particular because it was kind of after he was done, um, you know, dealing with public, uh, you know, events, so to speak. But uh, he wrote a book called Without Roots, um, and that book is about was about the the dictatorship of relativism, and I think that really was the seedbed of of what is now called wokeness uh, in in our culture today. Well, there's no question that this is uh, on the minds of uh, of a lot of parents uh, across the country. And um, ha- have you have you seen yourself uh, the effects of, of parents taking uh, kids out of the public schools and sending them uh, to Catholic schools uh, like uh, your uh, outstanding school, uh, Bishop Ryan uh, Catholic School? Yeah, you know we have, um, but we we have bit of an insulated um, situation in Minot. We, we are not, frankly, Chicago or L.A. Um, we're, we're still fairly rural North Dakota. And as much as uh, that is, it, it is present, but it's not promoted at the same, in the same way as it, it's being promoted across the country. And I think our administrators in our public schools recognize that this is kind of poison if people really latch on to this and, and recognize that this is something that can be present in our public schools because of the way that they are governed and the and the the progressive uh, the progressive ideology that that is being pushed um, especially through um, especially through like the gender ideology stuff and, and the way that that's been politicized through title IX guidance coming out of both first the Obama and now the Biden White Houses, that those, that, that is, that's a problem for them as public school administrators, because most people in Minot are not for that. Uh, Father Nelson, uh, I know we touched on this um, the last time you were with us, but uh, just a quick word on on just how valuable classical education is, uh, something that uh, is done at, at your school and, and at some other Catholic schools across the country. Yeah, so when we were looking at writing our, our educational plan and and refocusing how we were going to educate students intellectually, one of the things that I think is a unique opportunity for a Catholic school is to draw deeply from the patrimony of Western civilization, the best of that golden thread that we would call the Catholic intellectual tradition, which integrates faith and reason and, and produces great monuments uh, of, of art and architecture and literature and philosophy and helps kids to understand that they are part of an intellectual tradition that goes beyond the four walls of their parish church, an intellectual tradition that touches upon medicine, for example, with um, Mr. Uh, Dr. Lejeune, that touches upon, uh, you know, legal theory. And you can think of somebody like a, a, like a Marianne Glendon, who brings a Catholic 
vision to the work that she's done. Um, you can think of of all sorts of people uh, and moments in the history of the development of the intellectual tradition of the West that have been uh, influenced by the Catholic perspective. And I think Christopher Dawson, as a historian, did a great job um, showing that one of the, pardon me? Oh, uh, he did a great job uh, highlighting that one of the unsung heroes or, or one of the, the underappreciated parts of historical development is really culture, and culture comes from faith. So we want our kids to be immersed in this worldview. We want them to be excellent in math and science, for sure, but we want them to understand a broader picture of where they come from intellectually and that um, the edifice of, of learning is, is largely tied up with the Catholic tradition in the West. So that's what, it, that's what we think it's about. Well, Father Nelson, we want to talk about some of these uh, differences between Catholic schools and the public schools, but first we need to, to take a short break. I also want to invite our, our listeners, uh, if you went to a Catholic school and you want to share your experience, um, how it has impacted uh, your life and your faith life, uh, if by any chance you've taken your kids out of a public school and they're sending them to a Catholic private school, we would love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Father Jaden Nelson, the president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break as we continue our discussion with Father Nelson. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us as uh, we continue to talk about Catholic Schools Week. Uh, We've been touching on it and also discussing uh, the woke agenda that's uh, pushing a lot of parents to uh, send their kids to Catholic schools. Again, if you want to share with us uh, what uh, your Catholic education means uh, to you, I would love to hear from you, 888-914-914. Four nine again is the number. We're joined this morning by Father Jay Nelson. He's the president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot, North Dakota. Uh, F- Father Nelson, um, can you briefly talk about what you see from your perspective as an educator, um, the differences, the key differences between Catholic schools and public schools? Well, I think you can, first of all, just start by... Um looking at the, the corporate structure, the, the, the way that the school is constituted, uh, we we fit in fundamentally different roles or different places as the not, we're a non-governmental entity. Uh, pro, uh, non-public schools are the fruit of people coming together voluntarily around a shared mission and setting a school up, and whether that be a diocese or a collection of parishes or even an independent Catholic school. And so at the heart of a Catholic school is our, our Catholic faith and our mission to go and to teach all nations. Uh, the government schools, the, the public schools, are those that are set up to fulfill a, uh, an important part of our common life as citizens of any particular state. And they're a governmental entity. And as a result of that, they are accountable to taxpayers, or they should be. Uh, and they are 
um, ultimately governed by whatever prevailing opinion is making is, is holding sway governmentally through state legislatures and uh, local school boards. Uh, that's a kind of idealized you know, distinction because I think part of it too, an unsaid part of the, the, the difference between a non-public and a, or a Catholic and a public school are the culture, the teacher culture and the parent culture that are associated with each of them. And teacher colleges and teacher universities have a huge role to play here because they're the ones who are really forming the minds of the teachers who are entering the classrooms. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I heard, uh, as we were listening, I heard that, that um, advertisement for the University of Mary uh, um, here in Bismarck. And one of the things I'm so grateful for as an administrator of a Catholic school is that we have the University of Mary helping to produce teachers that are a good fit for us. I don't have to retrain uh, or or undo the training of the teachers that come from the University of Mary ideologically. Whereas if you get teachers coming from some of the more secular universities, that becomes, you're not really sure what they're bringing into your classroom as a, an administrator. So that's one of the real struggles that I think Catholic school administrators have um, around the country is you have to do a great job vetting your teachers who are trained in public institutions of higher learning to know what they've been taught about education and, and the, their vision of the human person. Uh, so those are some of the big the big distinctions on the on the, the kind of the higher level. You know, practically speaking, what goes on in the school looks quite a bit different too. We're talking about you know in a Catholic school, faith is infused or should be infused into the daily life of the children. Everything from morning prayer to sacramental opportunities of reconciliation and mass to uh, you know the literature that they're reading in their their English classes uh, should look different because of our Catholic mission. But at the same time, we have an, a shared responsibility to give them the basics of a general education, which should be they should be getting in a public school as well. Well, Father Nelson, uh, Debbie is joining us this morning from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Debbie, good morning. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Nelson. Catholic church or Catholic schools have been sort of impugned for a long time. You know, I survived Catholic school. I survived the nuns and all of that. But I went to Catholic school from kindergarten all the way into my nurse's training. And it has made just such a huge difference in my life. And I think more so as I get older, but you never lose your compass. You never lose your principles because they're so deeply ingrained. It started when you were young, and that's the scary thing about the woke culture. They're starting so young with this mm-hmm. nonsense on transgender and critical race theory, and it's just so alarming. Yeah, it's really po- – I mean, just to speak frankly about about those two issues in particular, they're really poisonous. Um, you know, all of us, the, the, the church teaches that, you know, we should we should not look at the speck in our brother's eye before we take the plank out of our own. And so uh, the Catholic Church would, would, would not say that we should look at our past through rose-colored glasses. But it also means that you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't project, project responsibility for all the evil in the world on the structures that are present in 
our current day and age. And with the transgender thing going on, I feel like this is one of the final attacks of the evil one. When you think of, of uh, Sister Lucia from Fatima saying that the final clash is going to be about the family, the, the erasure of the difference between God making us male and female is really what this is about. And to me, that's, it's a full frontal assault on creation as a concept. So we need to fight, we need to fight against the transgender movement, the, the erasure of nature as a God-given gift with all of our hearts, because it really is poison. Thanks so much, uh, Debbie, uh, for sharing uh, your thoughts on the value of your Catholic education. And, and Father Nelson, um, my goodness, I think that's such a great perspective uh, to bring in uh, Sister Lucia and, and Fatima. It, it, there's no, no doubt that, that the attack uh, is, is bigger now than ever before. Can you uh, briefly talk about the introduction of uh, these parental rights bills uh, uh, that uh, a lot of teachers out there are not happy about? about yeah so i'm not aware of all of them obviously uh we have our own legislative session going here in in north dakota and i was just in bismarck testifying yesterday on behalf of a bill that would would give uh a, an educational reimbursement to parents who uh who enroll their children in a, an approved non-public school which would include catholic schools and I was really, you know, there's not much of an argument that you can make against uh, this kind of parental choice bill, because who's going to argue against parental choice? So what we found yesterday was a a big smokescreen and diversion tactics that basically say, well, it's not fair because these dollars are really, they really should be public school dollars. And I think what's happening, whether it's in Arizona or Iowa, which Um, had a huge bill signed just a couple of weeks ago, or Utah or West Virginia, that legislatures are waking up to the fact that parents are the most concerned individuals that there can be about the kind of education that their kids are getting. And if you empower parents to make a decision by having financial resources available to them to direct the education of their children, you're really uh, infusing accountability at the at the most um, the most uh, proximate level to all of the schools in the state, whether they be public or non-public. Uh, you know, I think one of the arguments that is often made against school choice initiatives is that non-public schools are not accountable to the taxpayers. But it's really kind of a red herring because if my school is not great, John, it closes its doors. Period. That is the accountability, is the accountability of parents above all, because they're not going to pay tuition. Uh, they're not going to enroll their kids if they don't have to in a school that's failing. And so I think this is what's uh, kind of, I think, going on in, in, the, in the United States. And I think that it's, it's a good and overdue thing. The Supreme Court uh, has removed obstacles for us. Uh, one of the biggest obstacles that we faced in North Dakota for a long time uh, and it's still being used, even though the Supreme Court has basically said that the Blaine amendments are unconstitutional, is that you, you've been, they've been, public school lobbies have been hiding behind Blaine amendments for a long time to say, it's in the Constitution, you can't use money for any sectarian school, uh, case closed. And now that the Supreme Court has weighed in on this and said, actually, that's a violation of the First Amendment um, of the U.S. Constitution, 
they are struggling to find rational arguments against this. Father Nelson, less than a minute to go, just a a quick word of encouragement to parents who may find it a burden. They just think they can't afford to send their kids to a a private Catholic school. Yeah, I think, John, thank you for giving me just one one minute here to talk about this. I think the, the encouragement needs to be this. Parents, God gave you your children to direct back to him. And we all need a little bit of help from time to time to do that. Catholic schools should exist for this purpose, and we should find a way to make it feasible. And whether that be through seeking financial aid through these schools or becoming active in lobbying for more choice to direct tax dollars towards your child's education, your children should not be penalized for their faith from enjoying uh, an education that fits their needs. And so I just encourage you to be active and proactive in uh, seeking out what options are available out there. Father Nelson, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us. So much uh, appreciate your perspective. I appreciate the opportunity, John. Thanks. God bless you. Father Jaden Nelson, the president of Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot, North Dakota. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Stay Away from the Edge. The story is told about a stagecoach company hiring Teamsters to drive its stagecoaches through a mountainous area. The local office manager had advertised for the position and people began to apply for the job. As they were interviewed, the boss asked each applicant, how close can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff as you round the mountain? The first fellow replied he was skilled enough he could drive the stagecoach within three feet of the edge of the cliff. The boss thanked him for his time and called in the next applicants. In the course of the interview, the boss asked the next man the same question. He replied he could drive the team and the coach within one foot at the edge of the cliff. He likewise was thanked for his time, and the next applicant was called in. The boss asked this fellow the same question. He replied, I'd drive the coach as far from the edge of the cliff as I possibly could. He got the job. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, uh, Morning Air contributor Marcel Lejeune, the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, will be with us to tell us why holiness and mission are inseparable. If you want to be a saint, you have to be an evangelist. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will explain the meaning of today's feast of the presentation of the Lord, also known as Candlemas. So stay with us. There is a lot more to come and we'll tell you what happened with Puxatani Phil here in the upcoming final hour of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.